0: Hello and welcome to episode 141 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. This week we're going to do some odds and ends from the playing in paper, like learn to play series, sideboarding, net decking, that kind of stuff. And then we might talk a little bit about um, Midnight Hunt Limited.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We talked about it in the pre-show. So if we don't get to it in this episode, make sure you check the pre-show out. It has all of our thoughts about it. We'll try and get there, but we're uh, running a little late on time this week. So let's see how far we get.
0: Yeah. All right. So um, if you want to tweet us, things you want to hear us talk about going forward, you can get at us at Casual Tripod on Twitter.
1: Yep. Or you can hit us up on Facebook at Casual try Hard MTG. Or you can send us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. We also have our Discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on all our social media. Any of those places are a great way to get a hold of us. Let us know your thoughts about Midnight Hunt or what sweet standard decks you're playing or what kind of events are firing at your local game store. Um, It was a question I asked last week. I did have one person in Discord chime in. So thank you, you know who you are, uh, to let me know how things are at their LGS. Um, we kind of went on a rant and we had some decent feedback about our rant last week. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see you know what's going on at your local LGSs and you know what the communities are like and how people are adapting to this new modern way of magic. So hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, email, Discord. Let us know. Uh, as Brian mentioned, you can also ask us questions uh give us ideas for shows we are here to serve you guys so hit us up let us know um next week i think we are going to do a kind of financy episode uh talk about the new set some cards we're ordering maybe a little bit of our general like thought process when we make orders for cards um And I know I will be doing that using our TCG player affiliate link, uh, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link, we'll get a cut of to help keep the show going, pay for hosting fees and whatever else we got going on. Um, So make sure you use that link. And if you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash Uh, like i said patrons get access to our pre-show uh normally it's about an hour long just kind of us catching up you don't get to see each other as much anymore like i said not a whole lot of stuff happens at our local game store so before we record that's our chance to catch up um it's a lot less formal than the actual show is a lot more story time and you know talking about stuff that's not magic but there's always magic stuff in there too so if you want access to that hop on over to patreon.com slash casual tryhard mtg throw a couple bucks in the pot and you get to listen to that um you'll get added to my list when i do patreon givebacks and you also get access to our show notes so you kind of get a sneak peek of what's coming up that week and last but not least we have our youtube channel Uh, brian has been kind enough to record most of his limited games for midnight hunt Uh, there's some good in there so make sure you head over there and check those out as well
0: i think there are 11 drafts up there out of the like 17 that i've done nice or 19 or something so most of them are up there so yeah. there's been a, a few ipod ipad drafts an uh, ipod drafts oh gosh, you gosh <laughs> with the click wheel it'd be great oh uh, man
1: <laughs> how many kids don't even know what the click wheel is anymore
0: i know i that, know that was what, like 2003 so I have a good story. So when I had a like 80 gig iPod that had the click wheel and it was when mm-hmm. the i iP- iPod touches had just come out. Yeah. And and the and they had the iPhones had, had recently come out, but I was still yeah. using like a crappy flip phone and I had my iPod sitting on the uh, on the table in front of my class and someone came up and was like, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's an iPod." Like, "Can I touch it?" And she was like, "It won't work." <laughs> and I was like, it's not a touch screen, so I had to like click on it. And this was in like 2010. And it was like they were dealing with like an archaeological find.
1: And it's the like, antikythera mechanism. Yeah, I was just like, no, no, There's no, only no. rumors like, of how it used to operate.
0: Yeah, it's like no no, 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 no here. Let me it's it's fine. But um yeah, so I have most of them recorded. Um I think they are pretty representative of the format. And yeah. I so on Tuesday, I think it's draft eight. One of the best games of limited I've ever played is the last game in that uh, in that uh, uh, video. That video, awesome. Yeah, it it is. It was very good. So I'll have to check that out. Um, so I think we're going to start up on sideboarding. Yeah, which is a rapidly dying art with our best of one overlords.
1: Yeah, I know I know. I said I wanted to keep this episode short, but I think I have to talk about one more thing before we jump into this. Okay. And that is kind of like me coming to grips with how magic is changing. Okay. So it's a little bit tied into last episode. It's a little bit little bit of what we're going to talk about next week, but because you said that, you set me off. Oh, no. <laughs> um, him up. not really wound up but it's just i'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around how like the game that i've spent so much time playing is becoming something completely different than what i used to play and part of that is all the stuff that we talked about last week like you said sideboarding becoming a dying art like i mean if there's no paper events firing and limited ranked is mostly the premier drafts which are best of one like draft really doesn't happen on magic online. Most of the, most of a sets draft is on arena, like and not just for limited, but even, you know, when you're playing on the ladder or whatever, you're kind of incentivized to play, you know, best of one games. Like the whole game is just changing and I don't know. It is what it is. And I think I just have to kind of come to grips with that, that it just is what it is. And, It's different now.
0: Yeah, I do. Like when I watch like a Saffron Auto video and he like goes to sideboarding, I'm like, oh yeah, get that edge. That's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, like he, like, you know, because he predominantly plays best of three. Yeah. And I'm just like, I should probably do that. Like in my head, like when I think about decks, I also like build the sideboard, but then I don't ever end up using it. I'm like, this is what I think I want and I'll put it together and it's like, yeah, that seems reasonable. But yeah, yeah, like I hardly ever play best of three anymore. And I mean, that would be a huge adjustment like going to you know, an LGS and being like best two out of three.
1: Yeah, I think that for me it depends on what deck I'm playing. Like if I find a deck that really interests me that's more aggro slanted, I'm more apt to just fire off a bunch bunch of best of one games and just, you know, try and grind a little bit that way. Yeah. Whereas like if I find a mid range deck that looks really interesting and we're going to talk about this mid range decks are very much like a 75 card deck instead of a 60 card deck and a 15 card sideboard. And like mid-range decks gain a lot from sideboarding so if i'm playing like if i find a mid-range deck i really want to play typically that will be best of three whereas you know if i'm just playing something aggro or some stupid to trickery combo deck obviously that's just best of one
0: yeah which like i've not played best of one historic i've not played historic period since uh Modern Horizons legendary mythic Boogaloo. Jumpstart. Yeah. Jumpstart. Yeah. I, I have not played historic at all. Yeah. Since then. I was, I'm like, I'm like, I kind of think you lost me.
1: Well, like you get to play eight Dover now.
0: Yeah. Eight Dover. I mean, I'm like, like thinking about like, Oh man, it'll be fun to like when they do like the, the next like artisan event. Mm-hmm. Cause, uh, Cause I lost my like my old artisan deck. It went away. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I can just play Dilver. Yeah. Like that'll be fun. Dilvers can... and
1: considers and ops.
0: Yeah. Like his. Yeah. His like oh like historic uh, artisan. It's just like it's just Dilvers and ops and yeah. uh, Dragon Race Chandlers and Unholy Heats. like that'll be fun. Yeah. All right. So sideboarding sideboarding so you sideboarding basically is you've got those 15 cards in your sideboard and after game one and after game two you mm-hmm. can bring cards from your sideboard into your deck typically yep. you're going to take cards out of your deck and put them into your sideboard but you want to end you up You don't have to you don't have to but typically right. you want to end up presenting. 60 cards again, yep. but 60 cards that are now better tuned to play mm-hmm. against your opponent's style of deck. And yep. this is important. What you think their deck is going to be like after they sideboard.
1: Yeah, that that is a biggie. Um, it's kind of a like a mind game that you have to play with your opponent. If this is something that you do with sideboarding is you can either speed up or slow down your deck in relation to what your opponent's doing. Typically, when you slow down, you're going to go a little bit bigger, whereas if you speed up, you're going to go a little bit smaller. So if you're like playing a mirror match and you're on the draw, a lot of times you want to slow down a little bit, go a little bit bigger than your opponent. Um, so you're going to take you know some number of cards out of your deck, some of the smaller stuff, and maybe put some bigger stuff in, ways to go over the top um or vice versa if you're on the play you want to try and go underneath so you're going to you know bring some smaller stuff in maybe some different interaction less expensive interaction things like that um one thing that is a little bit different now than when we first covered this the first time we did our playing and paper series is sideboards aren't just sideboards anymore no, they are not So when you're building your sideboard, and like this really isn't something I've had to describe, so you guys are going to have to bear with me for a minute. Um, You have to determine how valuable the, the room in your sideboard is to you for actual sideboard, because you have all sorts of other ways you can spend those sideboard slots now, like having a companion or with Lessons.
0: So with, with lessons and to a lesser extent companions, you're almost, almost every sideboard is built like a wish board. Yeah. Where decks that have wishes, right? Spells that like let you take a card from your sideboard and put it into your hand, Mm -hmm. right? They, they always balance this fine line of how many wish targets do I need Right. Versus how many things do I need to have access to to change my deck in between games? Yeah. And it used to be that like in standard, that came up hmm, once every two years, maybe, yeah. maybe more, that there was a playable wish right, and a deck that was good enough that you had to worry about building a cyborg for your wishes, so probably Mastermind's acquisition. Yeah, and it was, then was that Ixalan? That was like Ixalan or Hour. Yeah, right. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Hour. And then a vast. Then this was not an issue for a long right. time. Um, and then you had uh. Oh, what is it called? Fae of Wishes. Fae of Wishes. So then we had to worry about it for, like, when Fae of Wishes was good. Fae of Wishes hasn't been good for a bit. Right. Because they had to, like, nerf all the stuff that made... Uh, well, the combination of, like, Gold Span Dragon and, like, nerfing uh, uh, Adventure. You're right. Right. So, but, like, you had to worry about it then... But now you're going to have like another year of, and then companions were there. Then you're gonna have another yep. year of, all right, I want to play a ramp spell. I want to play field trip. Mm-hmm. All right. How many things do I need my field trip to be able to go get? Right. Yeah. And it's usually like, well, I want to have a removal spell. I want to have environmental sciences so I can hit my next land drop. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I should just have mascot exhibition. Right right yeah and you get up to like when you get up to like five six seven cards right now the cards to change your deck are really like whittled down you have to be like do I like do I need to have an answer for everything that I can get with my uh uh learn card Mm -hmm. or do I want to have regular cards right and that is that is an interesting balance that we've not had to deal with before
1: yeah it very much it seems like the correct answer is you want two of anything that's remotely playable. Um right now, like the i the black decks, the black red and seven decks or whatever, um, all play iTwitch just because it's something you can sacrifice to, you know, draw some cards, you can trade it off early, and it replaces itself. And I think almost every list I've seen is like Two of the naturalize, and then one of the uh, exile something, and then two environmental sciences, and like two mascot exhibitions. So it's yeah. like seven cards you're playing, it's like half your sideboard,
0: yeah. And then you've got what's left. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, any card that, like, most cards that say draw a card on them are good enough. Yeah. This is a one-mana card that says draw a card on it, but it says go pick a card that you want. Right. Go draw a specific card. Yeah. Go draw a spell. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's really good. Like, I don't just have to rip a random card off the top of my deck. No, no. You get to go pick. Do you have seven mana? Go put three creatures into play. Yeah. Are you afraid of missing your land drop? Go get your land drop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this is this is much better than just maybe randomly drawing the seven mana spell when I only need the when I need my land drop. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. We that also, is- uh,
1: I know not many people are playing it, but just to keep in the back of your mind, we also have wish.
0: Oh yeah, we do have wish. Yep. Just go get a thing. Now Ca- and cast they- it this turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Like, part of this overlaps with actual sideboarding, though, specifically in the Lessons case, because, like, most green decks are going to play some sort of naturalized effect in the sideboard anyway, whether it's, you know, naturalize or reclamation sage or whatever it is, some way to deal with enchantments and artifacts. And, like, for that also to be double duty as um, a learned target is... I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's like, so, I want this anyway. I can have access to it in game one. Yeah. And also, right, if you're playing four field trips, mm-hmm. you have access, you have four copies of that lesson right, in your deck, as opposed to just like the two you would normally bring in and hope to draw. Correct. So you're actually you actually have more access to it than you would otherwise not counting any other uh learned cards you might have. Yeah.
1: Really so, changes sideboarding. I it does. I guess I when I was writing this episode I really didn't like even think about how much it's different now than it used to be.
0: Yeah. So right, the the goal of sideboarding, you know, taking like for older formats learn lesson isn't good enough.
1: Right. Yeah. You're Um, not, you're not willing to spend the extra mana
0: for it. Yeah. So like in the older formats where cyborg becomes really important, right. It allows you to like play hate cards. If you, if you need to play hate cards for a certain deck. So Mm -hmm. sometimes, right. If dredge was good in modern, which is a graveyard deck, there you had rest in peace, and that was a card they couldn't beat. Yeah, if,
1: like grab digger's cage or grab whatever. digger's
0: cage, yeah. Or if you're if affinity was really good, they play people would play stony silence, and then affinity yep. wasn't good anymore, right? And so then you have it. <laughs> yes, then they banned all the good cards. So you have the cards that are like the silver bullet if I resolve this card, my opponent can't beat it until they get it off the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Right. But then you have the cards that are kind of doing double duty, or we talked about this cards that can fill multiple roles. Yeah. So a card, like a braid, Mm -hmm. right. Where it's like, um, kill a creature or an artifact. Yep. So it, Took the kill and artifacts. So if you were just playing Shatter, right, you had you had to also play a kill uh, a creature removal spell, mm-hmm. right? A braid let you let your sh- Shatter slot also be your killer creature slot. Yeah, you so, can bring
1: it in against the aggro decks and against you know whatever troublesome artifacts you had.
0: Right. So instead of having one Shatter and one creature removal spell. You put two of two of in your deck and now you have two shatters and two removal spells, but they're only taking up two slots instead of four. Mm-hmm. So like that was something we talked about, like just making sure that you pick the most flexible things. Yeah. So that you can kind of cover all of your bases. Right. As opposed to just being like, well, I want shatter. So, like, cards like, uh, what is it, Return to Nature, Mm -hmm. right, that's destroy an artifact or destroy an enchantment or exile a card from a graveyard. Yeah. Right? It's your graveyard hate card in green. It's your enchantment hate card, and it's your artifact hate card. One card is covering all three things.
1: Yeah, different matchups, different circumstances where you might
0: want it. And maybe you only were, maybe you were like, I want to naturalize. I want to destroy target enchantment. Well, you don't just play destroy target enchantment. You're like, oh no, I would much rather have this that does all of this other stuff. And maybe you you weren't planning against playing against reanimator. Right. But, you know, uh, yeah. Return to nature is good against modern reanimator because the deck is slow enough that it can't just like turn to you like you have time to be like all right pay your two mana to like uh what is it unmarked grave your creature all right pay your two mana to persist it cool i will remove it now yeah right and like that card wasn't there for that matchup but because it had the extra text right it works out so you want to use your cyborg to cover as many matchups as possible and it works out that the way they keep printing modern cards, <laughs>
1: they... It's just walls of text with everything on them.
0: Yeah, they keep giving you waste, and it's like, well, I used to have to have a graveyard to hate slot, and an enchantment slot, and an artifact slot. It's like, no, no, that's one card does this. So I can put yeah. three of this card in. It covers all three of these. So now I have three times as much hate for each thing. Yeah. So... Like just being mindful of like this is what I need to to deal with. So have you ever watched a, a Magic AIDS video? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one thing, like, you know, his commentary is a little a little out there sometimes.
1: <laughs> but and we'll take two of this out and put two of this in and on we go to the next game.
0: Yeah. But when he does his deck breakdown, right, when he does his deck tech, yeah. the sideboard is always the same thing and I think it's informative it's always he goes like creature hate graveyard hate counter hate control hate like he has in his head very specifically these are the things that this deck is weak to my deck is weak to these things yeah so i specifically have cards in my sideboard to deal with those things
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And like, I guess I hadn't really picked up that that's exactly what he was doing, even though it's obvious that that's what he's doing. But your sideboard is really no good to you without a plan on how to use it. And I think that's where you're going with this.
0: Yeah. So he has, he always has like the, the plan of these are what these cards are for. And then I think what comes across less clearly because it's always, take out this and put in this and go on to the next, go on to the next one. Right. But it's all, I think that when he makes his sideboard, he's like, okay, if I play against the graveyard deck, these are the three cards that come in and I know what three cards need to come out. Yeah. Right. And that's the other thing. You can have the best answers in your sideboard, but if you haven't sat down and thought about what are the cards that need to come out, yeah, like a lot of times that's work. just
1: as important too.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it can be things like, so there's certain things that you can take out, right? So let's say you're playing against an opponent that has the spell Lava Dart, or mm-hmm. play with fire It's a is a more uh, modern example yeah. that deals two damage to creatures, right? Or Lava Dart deals one damage. Mm-hmm. If you're playing against an opponent that has Lava Darts... If you can, you probably want to remove all of your, or as many one toughness creatures out of your deck as you can. Yeah. Right. So you don't like let them get paid off as like hard as possible. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't want to play a bunch of like three mana, uh, three ones. Yeah. And then just like one mana kill it. Right. You, you... well, that was
1: like uh, when Goblin Chain Whirler was legal. Yes. Yeah, so you just weren't you were allowed were playing to play against a. Yeah, if you were playing against a Chain Whirler deck, you took out all of your Glint Sleeve Siphoners because they just died.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you played so many Goblin Chain Whirlers, you might not even put them in your deck to begin with. Yeah. Right, but...
1: Well, I mean, the decks that played Chain Whirler also played Glint Sleeve siphoner. Fair,
0: (laughs) fair. Uh, Oh, the Mirror these have to go. Yeah. So you want to, like, first... I think the easiest cards to take out are the cards that, like... Either your opponent, for whatever reason, is like kind of pre-boarded or like their deck is good against them, incidentally. So like we said, like they play a bunch of one damage spells and you have a bunch of one toughness creatures. You probably want to shave on those to make those one damage spells worse. Mm -hmm. Right. They're a super aggressive deck and you have a bunch of like seven drops. Yeah, you're probably probably not going to get around to casting them. Yeah, you probably need to to shave your seven drops, right? Or, I don't know, you're playing, like, for some reason you're playing some walls, right? Mm -hmm. And they're a control deck that has no creatures. Right. Right? You're like, well, maybe these walls aren't where I want to be. I need something that has power and power that can attack to put them under a clock. See, I mean,
1: same goes for removal, though. Like, you're not going to play, you know, targeted creature removal or wraths against a control deck.
0: Fair. Or, like, but this is where, like, you're, like, the the mind game, right? Because yeah. we all know, like, that control decks will, in game two, bring in a bunch of, like, Lyra yeah, Dawnbringers. Yeah. Or, right, they'll bring in big angels. Or they're like, well, they're not going to have any creature removal. So I'm going to try to, like, surprise them with some either value creatures that are going to accrue vantage, advantage if they stay on the battlefield. Yeah. Or, you Something know, just, just... closes the game. Yeah, or just some big dumb flyer that, like, has lifelink. And it's like, well, I can't ever beat that. Right? Because you could definitely see, like, if there's a blue-white or blue-black control deck in standard. Right? Mm-hmm. Game one, they're creatureless. They're beating you with, I don't know, some, like, pile of sadness. A hall of the storm giant. Right? That's their wing yeah. con. It's like this land. Let's go, right? And then in game two, they board in four poppet stitchers, Mm -hmm. and you're like, like, well, I can't cut all of my removal because if they stick a poppet stitcher, yeah, then I'm in trouble, right? But I can't have as much removal because if they. Don't bring in their poppet stitcher, or I can't have as much removal because it's dead. So you've got this right. like fine line to, to, to walk. So identify the things that are dead, but also mm-hmm. realize that your opponent is not a goldfish and is doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, they're making right. changes as well.
0: They're making changes as well. So you have to be like, oh, I know the control decks always bring in poppet stitchers, so I can't cut all of my removal, but maybe I'll keep, maybe I'll cut my only creature removal and keep my creature and planeswalker removal in. Yeah, if they don't. OK, oh,
1: I was just going to say that that's where it's important to be flexible. Yeah. Like may- maybe if that's a deck you're planning on going against instead of having. And I don't even know what a great example is right now, but instead of having, you know, just a removal spell, like instead of having a um, infernal grasp. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you know, a planeswalker that can get you value, but also kill a thing.
0: Yeah. Like just giving your like you could have, I guess Arlen doesn't kill a thing, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, I was trying to think of a planeswalker that killed things and I couldn't off the top of my head. Yeah, I know. They don't have as many of those now. Yeah. Uh, but like just giving yourself the flexibility and realizing like, OK, this is what's going to change. So yeah. if you guys remember way back when there were paper events, this was like almost two, this was two years ago. Oh, right. When we were going to that legacy event, right. Mm -hmm. The, the thing, one of the things that we did is we actually printed out a sheet Mm -hmm. with like, I think we had 15 different matchups. Yep. And what cards we had thought about wanting to take out against that matchup and what Mm -hmm. cards we wanted to bring in now with
1: a sideboard guide.
0: Yeah. Well, we, we couldn't play every matchup, so some of it was uh theory crafting and like, okay, what do I think will be good? What are the things that matter in this matchup? Yeah. But where we could, we like played the matchups. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, let's play this pre board, what what feels like it matters and what do we want to have post board? Right? And like one of the cards we settled on was Lily of the Last Hope. Yeah. Right? Because Lily was something that you could play against a deck like Miracles. Mm-hmm. That if it stuck and it ultimated, you got to win the game, basically. Yeah,
1: there's no way they can stop that.
0: Right. But also along the way, you could, like, down tick for value and get stuff back. Mm-hmm. And it also was good against um, uh, Death and Taxes. the worst matchup for depths yeah because it killed all their their x ones so it was like oh hey this is a card it was like we want a card for miracles we want a card for death and taxes this can do both Mm -hmm. right so we went through and was like okay if we're playing death and taxes these are the cards that are no good these are the cards that are good right and we would like sit down and, like, actually, like, struggle over, like, okay, I really want the second copy of this from the sideboard in Against Miracles, but what is the thing that we have to cut? Yeah. Right? What are
1: you trying to do?
0: What are you trying to do? What is my, what do I want my role in this game to be post-board? Yeah. Right? And so that is a thing to to think about. Like, if you have the time and, like, it super matters to you, Right, even if you're like on the ladder, right? Mm -hmm. Like to think about, like, all right, when I play against blue red dragons, I'm going to bring in four soul shatters. Okay, what has to come out? What are the things that are bad against dragons? Or what are the things that I can, like, I'm willing to sacrifice? Like, I'm going to become, I'm going to go from being the black aggressive deck to a more controlling deck. So I'm going to bring Which is in, something
1: Black can definitely do.
0: So, I'm going to bring in Soul Shatters and I'm going to bring in Blood on the Snows and, and some discard spells. Discard spells and uh, Lulf, right? Yep. So, I have this package of like 10 things I'm bringing in. So, I'm going to cut some one drops. Yep. Right. Or, you know, I can keep Eye Twitch because it gets me value, but I'll cut these other cards. Right. So, yep. it's like I'm not a creature deck anymore. I'm like a Lulf control deck. Yep. And you can do that. It takes a lot of sideboard slots. But like if that's how you think that you're gonna like win the game, right? You're like, okay, like Soul Shatters, like four Soul Shatters, three blood on the snows, two Lulfs.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: is my plan. And everything else around this will just like make work.
1: Yeah, right? and that's where it's important to have a plan too, because then like you said, you can kinda of manipulate the cards that are in those slots to be good at multiple matchups also
0: yeah and also you don't want to be you know in between game one and game two and being like oh i've never thought about this matchup yeah what am i gonna do now there's definitely times that you've you're playing against a deck that you're like oh i've never thought about this matchup (laughs) right i've never seen this deck before and you kind of lean you have to like fall back on like they're aggro i can go bigger than them I certainly so wasn't expecting
1: do. to sit down and play against seismic swans
0: today. So, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I guess fateful absence is probably good against the swan. <laughs> I should probably cut my lightning bolts against the swan. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one
1: more thing to add. Okay. Is uh, not really add, just kind of make an observation is we're talking about like sideboard guides. And how you know you're having like a plan for each matchup um i would love to be able to point you guys in a direction of a sideboard guide so you can like look at one and you know kind of see what information is there and how they're set up however they're all behind paywalls now oh oh like that used to be a thing where you could like look up a deck and say oh yeah this is this is the sideboard guide for this deck like somebody recommended this for a tournament and it came with a sideboard guide and here i am but now if you like the deck list is you know public knowledge anybody can look up the deck list but that uh that sideboard guide you gotta subscribe to coolstuffinc.com or you gotta you know become a patron of some content creator or donate to their only fans or whatever
0: yeah, where instead of instead of spicy pictures, it's just pictures of sideboarding guides. Yeah, like for five dollars, you get to see what you do in the in the is it dragons matchup. Oh, hey, hey man,
1: only OnlyFans is a legitimate business. It's not it's not just for spicy pictures.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> sure. We're gonna ban spicy pictures. Oops, our bad. I guess we don't have a website if we do that. <laughs> spicy pictures are back on the menu. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you, there was a college humor thing where they uh, one of the guys pretends to be the CEO of random companies. Yeah. And he pretended to be the CEO of, of uh, OnlyFans. And it was like, what percentage of our uh, website is, we'll, we'll say, spicy pictures? And they were like, nine, nine per T, 95, 95 percent? Why did we do this? But. <laughs> But yeah, uh what I was going to say was uh I do believe somewhere in the uh deep recesses of our Google Doc, our Google Doc supply. Oh yeah, it's probably ha- still there. We have a sideboarding guide for a couple of decks, I think, yeah, living there, right? Probably. We we definitely I'm pretty sure we have Green Black Depths and Legacy. We have um um What's it called? Uh, we probably have some of our standard decks from, like, early Ixalan standard. Yeah, maybe I uh, uh, Throne standard. So we may want to, like, link a couple, like, in the description if we can find some. Like, yeah. now, they don't... These are what you would use in a tournament, so they are a little pared down. You are limited to what you can, like, write on your cyborg guide. But yeah. they do show the, like, you know, the hey, these four cards come in, these are the cards that come out, and every so often there would be some, like, notes that we would mm-hmm. write. But, like, an actual, like, cyborg guy that would usually be, like, you know, here's what comes in, here's what comes out, and then there might be, like, a paragraph about, like, how the Wire. magic plays. Yeah, yeah. how, how
1: you need to, like, play differently versus a certain deck. Or...
0: Yeah, and I'm sure we could find we could probably link to an old article that's not currently behind the paywall. Yeah. Right. There might be some like star city content from like last standard. Yeah, maybe so. And one of the complaints of content creators is like, people just want the cyborg guide. And it's like, yeah, because that's where you get your edges. Right. Right. Everyone knows what the game one matchup plays like. Right. right. It's how do I take my, like, bad game one matchup and turn it good in game two and game three? Or, like, how do I take my good matchup and make it great? Yeah. Right? And that's, you know, where people, um like, where the edges come. And so, yes, everyone wants that because the cyborg guide, that plan, oftentimes comes from just playing tons and tons and tons of games. Which a lot and, of
1: people don't have time to do. Yeah,
0: you just don't have time to do it, right? So it's like, hey, can you please play all the games? I know you're playing them anyway, and just like tell me what you figured <laughs> out because, like, I have a job. Yeah, and and your job is to play magic games, which is pretty sweet. So could you please like hook me up? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, but we can we should be able to find one of our old ones to see like what you could take to our tournament. Yeah. Right. So
1: I just thought it was kind of kind of crazy that that used to be just like public knowledge that people gave out when they were talking yeah. about a deck and now it's it's all hidden behind a paywall like everywhere yeah. you go.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that like well, I mean, it used to be that you could like hide the whole deck, right? That whole like cool premium article behind a yeah. paywall. But now like it's People post so many deck lists, like between like uh, top deck deck lists, arena deck list, top deck. Um, Goldfish. Goldfish. There's another. Oh, gosh. Stream Decker. Yep. Right. Where you can just be like, oh, I saw a video of someone playing a deck on stream and you can just like type in and like there's a deck list and you can export it right to arena Right. So, like, the deck list doesn't have value anymore. Yeah. What has value is the games that you played to figure out how to play it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense. But, like, we said, focus on what are your bad cards that need to leave? And then, how are you planning to change how your deck plays in the matchup? Yeah. Right. That's and, the important stuff. Yeah. And just don't forget, like, your opponent is not a goldfish, they are also doing stuff. Yeah. Right. Are
1: there any um no go ahead.
0: Uh, your example of like, oh, you could change your interaction, right? Maybe you know that your opponent is mono red and they but their sideboard plan is always to bring in a five mana Chandra. Like that is what they've decided is like the value plan against your deck. Right. It might feel really bad, like, uh, if you didn't know that, but you might bring in four negates.
1: Yeah, or pithing needle, or...
0: Yeah, because, like, yeah, it's good. It's terrible against their, like, A plan. Right. But when they sideboard, their plan is to bring in Chandra's and, you know, an extra experimental frenzy. And you're like, yeah. well, I have to have ways to answer these. So you bring in negates. and like, they don't kill creatures but they handle these other problems and they're going to have less creatures. So right. Knowing what your opponent does and then like adjusting to what, like what they're going to do can go a long way.
1: Yeah. Are there um, like any common pitfalls or like traps that you see like newer players making as far as sideboarding goes that we might be able to stop some people from making.
0: Um not sideboarding, I think is the <laughs> the is the big one, yeah. right? So there was briefly a series, uh Meme or Dream. yeah, Where Saffron Olive would play bad decks or decks that supposedly went five O according to Wizards. Right. And it would off in, in like platinum or better. And it was like decks that like had no sideboard. And like, just having, like, 15 cards in your sideboard yeah. will make your deck better if you use them. Correct. Right? Just like, I don't know, a bunch of, like, O 4s right? They're not good cards, but they might be what you need against a uh, an aggro deck. And it's way better to have them than to not have them or to have the option. So just, like, making a sideboard and then, like, using it. And even if you're only doing, like, the level one of, like, I know what they're doing. I need to bring in stuff to counter that. Or Mm. I know that these cards aren't good and I just need anything in my deck that isn't these cards. Yeah. Right? Your deck is going to get better. Like, turning a zero into a one is a huge improvement.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if you have, if there's cards in your deck that are just dead, like removal spells against a creatureless deck, and you like draw your opening hand and you've got two removal spells in it, like you just mold the five.
0: Yeah, but they could have been something with power and toughness, something that said draw a card, even a land. They could have been any number of things that weren't just nothing. Right. Yep. So I think that is the biggest thing. Even if you're sideboarding suboptimally, it's better than not sideboarding at all.
1: That's true. Right? Um one thing that like I know I had some issues with when I was kind of learning how to sideboard was not listening to all of the stuff we just said and instead of playing cards that like changed the way my deck worked, I used to only play like silver bullets. Like I mm-hmm. need a card that hates artifacts and I need a card that hates graveyards and I need a card that hates counter spells and I need a card that hates lands. And that's how I built my sideboard instead of things like uh collective brutality that like change the way the deck works a little bit. It gains you some life. It, you know, gets rid of a card in their hand. It might kill something like, Cards that change the way your work a lot, or the way your deck works, a lot of times are more useful to you than, like, a rest in peace would be. Something that's very specific and only hates on an archetype. Yeah. Um, not saying that those things are, like, bad. They definitely have their place and they're worth including in your sideboards. But if all you have in your sideboard are fifteen cards that hate three different things, you're going to have holes in your plan. I guess is the best way to say it.
0: Yeah, where you can, I think those cards are are fine, but maybe you, I think those cards are good when you have a specific meta game in mind, mm-hmm. right? You're like, oh, last week graveyard decks did really well. Yeah. So again, this is this is old thinking from when there were weekly tournaments, but right. like last week graveyard decks were really popular, so and they did really well. So more people are going to play graveyard decks this week than they would normally. So I think I need to have a few slots dedicated to graveyard hate. Yeah. But you're, like you said, your whole deck can't just be like, you know, four graveyard hate spells, four artifact hate spells, four yeah. land destruction spells, and then three removal spells. Like that doesn't work. Right. Right. You've got to have that balance of like, yes, I can set aside some cards to do like the graveyard hate thing, but I Mm -hmm. also need cards that do other things. I can't just be like, there are four things I care about and that's it.
1: Yeah. The like kind of goes hand in hand with that is sometimes it's important to diversify like what you're doing also to kind of cover other matchups. Like, if you were playing a white deck and you had four rest in peace in your sideboard, like rest in peace is fine and it's a perfectly serviceable like Graveyard Hate card. But if maybe two of those were Graft Diggers cages, you could bring them in against the company decks. That way you have you still have your four graveyard hate spells for the graveyard decks, but you also have something you can bring in against the collected company decks. Yeah. So yeah. diversification too.
0: Yeah, just to, again, have that flexibility and not be locked in. Yep. All right. So we already touched on this a little bit, and that is net decking. Yeah. So we bring this up because, again, some of this stuff feels like we're, like, I don't know, in the 1940s.
1: Back <laughs> in, so long ago, right? Back
0: in my day, right? So there was a time when we would see other people and we would play games of magic against them mm-hmm. and they would get mad because they had spent the week since the last F and M coming up with their own beautiful perfect deck. Yeah. And you might have been like, Well, it's five o'clock, I need a deck. Let me look on the internet and find a deck. And yeah, the person who tuned their deck all week was like, you net decker, blah, 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 blah. And like, that's not cool. Like, just let people play Magic <laughs> how they're going to play Magic.
1: Um, This is still relevant. I mean, it, there's people all over the internet that complain about net decking. M- mainly when it shows up in their, like, quote, casual queues or whatever. But, like, people still complain about net decking for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, yes, that is it is a thing, but yeah. like I just kind of feel like, like, we just have to let people play play the game.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and I, I, think, I would much rather get a game than not, even if it's against a deck I'd rather not play against.
0: Yeah, and I think that the the main knock for neck decking now is. I think that we have to, like, realize that not everyone has, like, the time or the inclination to, like, tune a deck from nothing all week, right? Yeah. Or for for however long, right? I mean, it feels really good when you do that and the deck works out, right? Mm-hmm. My my blue-red deck that I missed day two with by, by playing my worst matchup <laughs> back-to-back, uh, right? But, like, that felt good. But at the same time, though, I think the biggest issue now is net decking leads to solve slash homogenous formats. Oh, right. I think that's the biggest knock. Not that like, oh, you're not like playing magic in the way it was intended, where you like slave over your cards and figure something out. Mm -hmm. It's like just, oh, no, I'm playing. I'm playing the same deck over and over and over again. I guess this isn't fun. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest knock, but... I, yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess that's net decking, but that's more a function of, like, the way the game is now than actual net decking, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I am a dirty net decker, right? Like, if I see a deck that oh, looks absolutely. interesting or fun, I'm like, sure, let's put that together. I still, yeah. like, have ideas, and I'm like, oh, I need to try that or whatever. But for the most part, it's like, this deck is here someone made the mana work or mm-hmm. at least work to a point where they were not, weren't like mad at it. Yeah. Like this should be fine. I'm going yeah. to play this. Cool. Yep. So yeah, I think that we just need to like chill on that. Oh, so related to this, this is kind of tangential. Okay. Um, so about how like formats homogenized. Interesting thought. Maybe the arena economy leads to this. this. Isn't my thought this was MTG Goldfish podcast, right? Okay.
1: I mean, I could definitely see that.
0: Rare and mythic wild cards are so precious. Yeah. That like you can't like brew a deck because you've got four mythic wild cards to spend. Are you mm-hmm. going to spend them on Renin 7? Right. Or are you going to spend them on like some like at least a
1: value sp- engine Orzov deck.
0: Yeah. And it's like, mm, no, I'm going to like spend it on the card that I know is going to be good for a longer time. Yeah. And now that you've done that, you are committed to playing and 7 decks. So it is now your job to find the best and 7 decks or only play and 7 decks from now on. I mean, it makes sense, right, especially
1: so- when like you can't get any
0: value back out of them. Yeah. yeah, so now you can't like move and like people aren't willing to just be like, I guess I'm gonna spend three hundred dollars this set. Yeah, it's like mm, can't can't do that. So like that could also be another uh, another thing. Mm-hmm. But I think net decking again a hundred percent fine, right? And again, like I think when we did this topic a while back, right? We said like for the casual try hard, like it's the way to like get a deck that is like. Functional. Absolutely. Right. Like the the worst thing is to like come up with a deck and be like not realize you're two lands short of your deck being good. Right. Like I was I've hundred percent been there. Yeah. Right? And it's just like I should have just played like the net deck version of the deck. So, and I would have been better.
1: Since this is the second time you've kind of alluded to the same thing, um, I will say that even like even when I'm brewing decks and not straight that decking, a lot of times I'll find you know a deck that's has the same like color composition and rob the mana base from it, and then yeah. just build my my shell around the mana base because like that's one of the trickiest things to get right when you're brewing is what your mana needs to do between like comes into play tap lands and flip lands and untapped lands and conditionally untapped lands and snow lands and not snow lands. And like, there's, there's a lot that goes into building a proper mana base. Like how many man lands you want, how many sources you can devote to like colorless utility lands. There's so much that goes into building a mana base. Normally that's my first step. When I start brewing is to look up other decks that have, like, if I'm building a Jund deck, I'll look up, you know, a mid-range Jund list and just take the mana base and delete the rest of the deck, and then that's where I'll start brewing from. But even if you're not, like, looking for a super complex, like, three-color mana base, even if you're just looking for, like, a mono-black deck, see how many man lands they're running, see how many, you know, Field of Ruin or Faceless Haven or, like, how that breaks down is important. And that's all stuff that you won't have to do when you brew your deck. Yeah. Gives you Um, more time to work on it.
0: There was, uh, Anzit MTG was playing, um, a four color, like, control deck. Mm -hmm. And I think he was, like, Bant Splashing Red. Okay. And there was another person who has been playing, like, for months, Bant Splash Black. Mm -hmm. and he was like i have no idea how to build the mana base of my deck so i just took uh i forget the person's name but i just took their mana base and every black land became a red land yeah so like if they had an underground sea i made a volcanic island yeah (laughs) and that's how i built the mana base like he already did all the work right i know this mana base is good i just have to make it match my colors Mm-hmm. and he had a functional mana base and just didn't have to think about it yep so yeah definitely like let frank karsten do all the math for you
1: <laughs> way easier that way
0: way easier than like how we built decks like 20 years ago which was like i want two-thirds spells one-third lands we missed a lot of our third <laughs> land drops in sure like did. 1996 Yep. Yeah. so all right Next up, we wanted to talk briefly-ish about the metagame in yeah. general and what, like, like, a metagame it is. is. Yeah.
1: So the metagame is kind of the game outside the game. It's the space that you're going to be playing in. So if you sign up for you know, a standard challenge or if you're on Magic Online and you're going to go play in a league or at your FNM, the metagame is going to be like all of the other decks that you can reasonably be expected to play against. And like they kind of break down into buckets. So there's like the aggro decks and the mid-range decks and the control decks. And there's kind of like a, a hierarchy between them, right? yeah so like typically the mid-range decks are going to go a little bit bigger than the aggro decks and beat up on them a little bit and -hmm. then the control decks are going to go a little bit bigger than the mid-range decks and beat up on them a little bit but then it comes back to the beginning where the aggro decks are low to the ground enough where they can get underneath the control decks and beat up on them so it's like a I don't know, like a cycle or like a food chain, if you will, where, you know, what goes in must come out. Everything, everything has a good matchup and a
0: bad matchup. Ideally, I mean, it's, like, it's not often all des- are perfect, but it's often described as like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, right. Like where you like, you know, everything has a counter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what has happened in recent metagames is the like, there was like a fourth thing thrown in which was like giant over-the-top ramp decks (laughs) and
1: whatever flavor of
0: yeah and they basically made it so the mid-range decks were too small yeah and control decks always have problems with ramp decks because um every threat that a ramp deck plays is is a must-be-answered threat yeah. And eventually, eventually control run out of answers. Yeah, and eventually you run out of answers and then it's like, oh, now I'm like super far behind. Yeah. Because one thing snuck through. So that's like why Tron is not a good matchup for blue-white control. Yeah. Because eventually some stupid 7 to 10 mana spell is going to resolve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And now you've got to deal with this giant thing that you couldn't stop from happening. Right. And then it snowballs from there. So when you have too much ramp stuff, I think this paradigm breaks, Mm -hmm. right? Because our ramp, our ramp was also able to get big enough, fast enough that the aggro decks, either because they weren't aggro enough or because the ramp decks had enough interaction
1: or life gain.
0: Or life gain to keep them, like, at bay. Yeah. Right? Like... They were too if, good at
1: stabilizing.
0: Yeah. If, if like, you're Saltai and you know that on turn four, a good percentage of the time you're going to be able to cast Shadow's Verdict. Yeah. It kind of makes it hard for your opponent to go, like, one drop, two drop, two drop, one drop. And it's like, oh, when they untap, they're just going to get rid of all of my creatures. Right. I guess I lose. Yeah, and I guess yeah. I lose. Oh, I can't. I either have to dead them this turn, or I die. And so you, like, you just had this this weird thing for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, like you said, aggro gets kind of brick walled by mid range, mm-hmm. right? Because where aggro is playing like a two mana, two two mid-range is playing... With haste. A, yeah, with haste, mid-range is playing a 3-mana three 3-4. Three, right. Right.
1: That eats your graveyard. That eats... his reach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or even thrashing Bratodon, right? Just, yeah. like, big thing. Yeah. Right? And, you know, like, you're like, well, 3-4 is not that big. It's big when the biggest thing in your deck is a 3-2. Yeah. Right? So... Right, you got that, and then control, like you said, gets under. Like control's good at like setting up, and you can't let control set up shop. Right, right. Which is like in sideboarding, right? Control will usually bring in way cheaper answers, mm-hmm. so that they have time to get to the "I have set up shop" phase of the game,
1: or things that just buy time. Like yeah, that's. I mean, that's why I wanted to talk about the new timely reinforcements because that's. You know, typically a card that control uses to stabilize, gain some life, make some blockers, gives them time to set up shop.
0: Yeah. Um. So mid range, like we said, mid range, good against aggro because it's mm-hmm. that, that one step bigger control is that one step bigger than aggro, right? I, I mean, sorry then the mid range, mid mid range, yeah. mid range oftentimes relies on creatures. Yeah. And control gets like card advantage from playing sweepers. Yeah. So right, if you're the mid range deck, you've got to play your three mana three, four, because that's how you're going to win the game. You mm-hmm. play your three drop, you play your four drop, and then they cast uh, a five mana wrath and they get two of your cards for one of theirs. Yep. Right. And then you've got to rebuild. And then that gives them time to like draw their next answer.
1: Or cast a draw spell to find their next answer or
0: whatever. Yeah. And so that just... You end up being behind. hmm Right. And then control, like we said, control is too slow for aggro when aggro is good. Right. And, just go
1: underneath it and kill it before it gets set up.
0: Yep. And mid-range is too small for control. Yep. Right. So... And then, like we said, there's the fourth one, which is ramp that is too big for mid-range, too big for control, and in a perfect world, too slow to beat aggro. Right? And that's usually like the check. Yeah. Is hey, aggro like if we if if they my opponent plays mountain, I'm going to lose this game. Mhm. Right? If I'm the blue-green ramp deck, but that has not been the case as of late.
1: Yeah. There's also like another type that, like, a lot of times kind of sits over top of one of these other archetypes, and that's combo. Oh, uh, yes. Combo kind of fits in between the spaces. There's aggro combo, mid range combo, control combo, tempo yeah. combo.
0: There's, there are decks that are aggro or mid range that just also happen to have a combo finish. Right, right, and then there are decks that are like purely like I'm going to combo you out, mm-hmm. and like they like combo decks oftentimes do pretty well against mid range decks game one, yep, and and aggro decks game one, if the aggro deck gives them enough time, right? Yeah. If your combo is fast enough, if you're playing against like a counter spell control deck, like oftentimes you don't have a good time as the (laughs) as the combo deck because they your deck is named something right your deck is named ad nauseam so that means they know they can't let the spell ad Nauseum resolve
1: basically
0: that makes your game much much harder yeah because now you're like i can never resolve the spell i need to resolve Right. So like combo decks that also just like play like a reasonable fair game. hmm Are Splinter Twin. Splinter Twin. Like even like to some degree like the Neoform combo deck from Historic, it could just dissolve into d- devolve into like bad beats. Yeah. Or like Lauren, right? Lauren is like a value creature deck.
1: I mean Lauren's almost more a value
0: creature deck than it is a combo deck. Yeah. That just happens to have a couple cards in it that let you combo off, yeah. And like you're like winning the game by playing a bunch of two for ones, mm-hmm. and then eventually you can just be like, "Oops, I guess I win the game for real now." Yeah, right. So like you have this like, and the problem is is like we don't typically think about combo in the meta game, yeah, because like it does kind of sit off by itself. And it's rarely, uh, in, uh, uh, what's it called? It's rarely in like a standard meta game.
1: Yeah. Especially, I I mean, this is going back to even before like fire design, they've kind of been designing combo out of standard. They haven't really, other than I guess, uh, Tahili cat.
0: Like, and that was an accident. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Philadelphia Guardian, Tahili. I mean, like, you could almost argue that, like, Fires of Invention was like a combo deck. Almost. But, not yeah. Really. Not like I mean, you that, did a thing and won the game. Then. Yeah. Not you did a thing and you won the game. Yeah. But yeah. like, we typically don't have combo. Now, like, Pioneer is just this wild and crazy, like, combo land <laughs> until they ban your combo. Then you gotta play a different one. Yeah, and then they ban that one. I I just I just have like a pile of banned combo decks.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's almost like you like playing combo.
0: Yeah, and then they just take it away from me. But you can just like like combo because it sits off in its own place, its matchups aren't always super clear. Yeah. Cause like there can be combos that are good against control. Right? Like one Land-based of the based combo. Yeah, I was going to say one of the, the upsides of like Depths is like in most matchups, there are only like six cards you have to worry about. Yeah. Like once you make your 2020, you're worried about Swords to Plowshare. And I guess now Brazen Borrower. And that's it. Yeah. Right? Like all the other cool card advantage stuff that you did doesn't matter. When you're I can, Yeah, because I can make you dead in a turn. Yeah. And... So, that is just a thing that you can uh, not. That is just a way that you can like, kind of like step outside of the paradigm.
2: Yeah.
0: can You can still Oko in Legacy, right? No.
1: They banned Oko in Legacy?
0: Oko is banned in Legacy. Our blue green three mana uh, Simic mythics were only down to Uro. Okay. So Uro is the only one. Oko is only playable in vintage. Like Oko has basically been scrubbed <laughs> from Magic.
1: Does not exist anymore.
0: Yeah, like he is he is gone, which is wild to think that the face card of a of a, of a standard uh, uh, set, not yeah. not but like a few. But like two years ago, is now like, yeah. The I'm on the Scryfall page. The band in pioneer, band in modern, band in legacy, band in brawl, band in historic. <laughs> it is legal in vintage and commander are the only two places you can play this card. And a uh, fun fact, um. A regular Oko is still $14. Oh. A full art Oko is $21. Jeez. Right, which is wild for a card that can't be played anywhere. (laughs) Like, I have four Okos that need to go away because I am not going to be playing Vintage anytime soon. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just like, oh. I
1: wonder how much of that is, like, price memory and how much is, like, actual play.
0: Yeah, I don't know, like how many people are like, Planeswalkers are usually bad in Commander. Yeah. But like, I don't know, if you play an Elko and then just elk your opponent's Commander, like isn't oh, that yeah, good? I guess that's pretty good. <laughs> like that might just be great. Yeah. You're like, oh, I have an answer for all of your Commanders. Elk.
1: You get elk, an elk, and elk. you get an elk, and you get an elk. Everybody look under your seat.
0: It's elks everywhere. <laughs> Before we started this game, I stuck an elk underneath <laughs> your seat. Uh, you would now like to pull that elk out and put it over your commander. Thank you very much. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's kind of wild. Yeah. So we had talked about Limited yesterday. Yeah. And not, yes, not yesterday. Uh, last week, just a little. And mm-hmm. I've played some more. And I just want to we went into this, like you said, in the pre-show. But I just want to give you a heads up. You should play Swamps. Yeah, there's really no reason to play anything but black. Yes. Like just
1: force like at this point, just force black.
0: And you might be saying, well, if everyone knows you should force black, how can I force black? There are enough cards. Yeah. Right. You can maybe there's enough
1: people that aren't also.
0: Yeah. You might get a feeling like, oh, hey, maybe I should like abandon ship. But usually what ends up being right is to have like seven black cards Mm -hmm. and 16 of your other color. And that's probably still better than having no swamps in your deck. So like things like uh, Siege Zombie. Yep. Siege Zombie is great is right it's the two mana two two that you like tap three other creatures to deal one damage mm-hmm. uh, you have a bunch of decay zombies in black you just have a free ping or two every turn
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it runs you out of the game uh hobbling zombie is like a removal spell that also dies into a thing you can ping with your siege uh zombie yep. um uh, diagraph what is it called i I had it earlier the the three four diagraph horde diagraph horde yeah, right the four and a black three four that makes two zombies and exiles two things out of their graveyard for some reason like cause reasons by far like probably it is the probably the best black common like I'd probably take it over eaten alive. I think I have and right just stabilizes the board gives you fodder right like your opponent's at seven you play that and it's like well you've got to play a blocker or i'm going to kill you right seven power for five mana even if it's only like one swing is kind of crazy yep considering there's a a green rare that's like a little bit more power but costs one more mana
1: (laughs) yeah the uh, like all of the black removal is really yes. good. Also, um, like better than any other color. All of it. Yeah. E- even the bad black removal is better than like any other color. <laughs> I mean, what is the bad
0: black removal
1: like? Um, the one that investigates. Is, oh, foul it's play. The dead.
0: Yeah. But when it's not dead, it is. It, it's a beating. Like your opponent does oh, yeah. it, and you're just like, oh my god. Like they just get your two drop, and you're like, oh Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, like, you have Infernal Grasp but Uncommon, Defenestrate, uh, Olivia's, Olivia's Midnight Ambush, yep, um, and Eaten Alive, yep. Missing One, I think that's all of them, uh, uh, and Foul Play, right? And Foul Play, yep. So, um, like, when you are playing, like, be mindful of like what removal spell you use when right because it might make sense to let's say they play a two toughness creature Mm -hmm. right but it's on the ground and you have an olivia's midnight hunt and a defenestrate if they're a deck that's like blue white maybe you want to defenestrate this two toughness creature because you know they're going to play a flyer right and you need to like keep your olivia's midnight hunt to pick off their flyer or mm. you're like well i'm going to use my hobbling zombie to neutralize this ground creature and i'm going to keep my straight for a bigger thing yeah. and like wait but you know because there's been some times where i'm like oh i should have used my straight earlier because now i'm stuck with it in my hand because i used another removal spell and i can't and deal with flyers. this flyer yeah yeah So just be mindful of that. But yeah, so things, Siege Zombling, Hobbling, Siege Zombling, (laughs) Siege Zombie, (laughs) uh, Hobbling, Zombie, um, Diagraph Horde, all the removal spells. Um, The Arrogant Vampire is fine. It's not like at its best in like a lot of the zombie decks. Yeah. Since so many of the white and black cards are focused on you sacrificing things. You want things that make extra bodies. So hobbling zombie, even if you have to like sacrifice it, it gives you a zombie. It gives you a body to use for other things to sacrifice. Yeah. Whatever else you're doing. Yeah. So you always are trying to look for those things that are going to give you multiple bodies. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the best, uh, uncommon in the set. Is morbid opportunist,
1: yeah? That things nuts, man.
0: It is crazy, right? If you watch, it never
1: any- doesn't get a card,
0: n- it never doesn't. And yeah. that's what I was gonna say like, if you watch me play, you will see, like, I will talk about, like, all right, I don't want to play this until I can set up a situation where I play it and I get my card back immediately, yeah right it's like well you know i could play my morbid opportunist or i could play my hobbling zombie on 3 well i'm going to play hobbling zombie because if things work out i can go opportunist sack the zombie and kill your thing or exile exactly, it with eaten alive and get my yeah. card back and like that so even if they then they untap and they killed my, and then they kill your opportunist. You get another card. Right. Right. You've set up this thing where like, you've just make, got a huge advantage over them. Yep. Um, it triggers
1: off tokens too. So like your dead zombies work. Exactly.
0: Like you're like, Oh, I played a rotten reunion on turn two. I'm just going to play my opportunist on three and attack. Cause I don't have my fourth land drop. Yeah. And I can get, I might be able to draw into my land. Right? Like, that's that's great. Like, I think I would take the opportunist over just about anything. Yeah. Um,
1: Card's insane.
0: Yeah. Like, I have actively passed, like, good rares in other non-black colors. Like, basically, <laughs> basically when I sit down to do a draft, it kind of sucks Is I want to be Esper. Yeah. I Preferably black, white, or blue-black. I... Don't know if I've been blue white yet, but I want to be like there because blue white is super grindy and you can kind of compete with like the black decks because they're killing your things one for one most of the time, Mm -hmm. but your things are coming back. So you're getting ahead on cards that way because all your, all your creatures, you can cast twice. Yeah. Right. Right. But then they like, you know, Diagraph Horde and exile your two cards. And then you're like, OK, now I'm losing this. This was fun. <laughs> now now we are done because I have nothing to do now. Yeah, Even
1: like right. like Rotten Reu- like you mentioned Rotten Reunion. Like, that, yeah, the card in the deck is perfectly serviceable just for sacrifice fodder. And it also hates on everything Blue White's trying to do. Yeah. Like kind of incidentally.
0: Yeah. And like, it, again, it gives you bodies that you need. Another yeah. thing, I've not the card is good. I've not been able to draft the deck that they kind of described on LR, but Ecstatic Awakener. Oh so, no, I like that card. No, so so do I. But like they they drafted like a deck with like five of them. Oh, and I feel like so we talk about we talked about in the pre show that draft might be more difficult to self-correct because of like how things are done in arena. But like, I think that is part of the draft that has self-corrected those used to wheel. Yeah. And now they don't, you know what I mean? Like people are taking them much higher than they used to. Mm -hmm. It's probably because there's more people drafting black (laughs) just in general. Yeah. So like
1: all of the black cards are, getting taken regardless of what it is
0: yeah it's just like oh it's black i need some but like that card works really well with things like if you have like say you have two or three of them right then thing like uh novice occultist right yeah you sack your novice occultist to your thing and you drop two cards Mm -hmm. right novice occultist while not great is fine right like it kind of stonewalls some of the draws out of like green white where they're like, they have two, two mana, three ones. Yeah. And you're like, cool block, draw a card
1: trade for your thing.
0: Yeah. Like I win now. Right. Like the the game's over now. Like I just like, yeah. Um, so like it does have some like reasonable use cases out of side of just being like sack fodder. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, the, the two one, out of the whatever the the vampire that like pings when it attacks like yeah. you're perfectly happy trading for that you're just like cool done i I will make this trade every time yeah so uh yeah like I have drafted I think I had said let me look here I have it up I have drafted nineteen times I have not had swamps in my deck four times one two, three, four. I have drafted black 15 times. And right now my win rate sits at 58%, which is not like great. Like I'm not trying to say I need to go in the hall of fame, but I'm winning more than I'm losing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it says something for sure. Yeah. That is meaningful data.
0: And like there have been multiple times where I have, Started on not black. Yeah. And just been like, well, oh, I can't pass this defense straight. Like that, that, that's a good card. <laughs> and then like get an eaten alive. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then like, for some reason, like a six pick diagraph toward. It's like, fine, I'm in. Yeah. You, you did yeah. it. You made me do it. And then like, I just get a good deck out of it. And it's like, okay. Like I, didn't want to go here but i'm here now yeah so sometimes it's not that you're that i've forced it sometimes it is just like it has fallen into my lap because like i look at the commons and i'm like i would much rather have this common than any of the uncommons in this pack yeah so yeah and like we and like i've not played uh, red green one time i have not played werewolves once
1: but this, it's the werewolf set brian
0: yeah yeah uh lr brought this up on the pre-show but like there's just incidental things that just hate on werewolves in yeah. the set like to the point where it makes them bad right so i don't want to rehash i'll rehash all of it but there's just a lot of times where it's like why is this card here It is too good against what should be the best set, right? Um, It'd be like if in Crimson Val, there's just, like, Clove of Garlic. (laughs) Clove of
1: Garlic, Wooden Steak, and Sunlight.
0: Yeah, and they just all, like, in some way, kill a vampire. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess I can't play vampires because you put three, like, main deckable reasonable hate cards. Yeah. You know? sunlight is deal three damage to any creature or kill a vampire and it's like so i can play this in my deck and it's not bad but it also just annihilates the vampire decks yes so if you're sitting down to draft and you're like i don't know what to do like black is the way to go now if you black cards yeah if you are right if you're like i want to do werewolves you can try just know that you should have taken black cards you should, I probably should take black cards so i played a blue red spells deck draft 17 i think i think this one goes up on wednesday mm-hmm. and um i was playing and i was like why am i not playing swamps like every deck <laughs> i played against was black and like every deck i felt like i was behind no i don't think i had the best version of blue red spells like yeah. there are definitely some some picks i wish i could take back but every single deck i was like wow this is so bad and they'd like play like a diagraph am like i could have had that card my deck but here i <laughs> here i am playing like uh oh I, I i'm playing the four the five mana spells that makes a uh you know, makes a card based makes a creature based on how many like spells are in my graveyard. Yeah. It's like thankfully it counts spells in exile, but it's like, oh, they're just eating I have no spells in my graveyard, this card doesn't do anything. And my opponent's just like, my five mana card does something every time. <laughs> and it's like, oh. my Five mana
1: card each eats, eats that.
0: Yeah, it's like, no. So I think that unless the format changes drastically, I think that people are going to get sick of it relatively quickly yeah right because it feels like you can support easily two black drafters and like some pod. yeah and maybe someone splashing black
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's just going to lead to like every game you play or most of them are going to be against like swamp yeah and the problem is is like the black decks are all kind of the same red black's different like red black is aggressive mm-hmm. but like
1: Yeah, but, I mean, even it is still trying to do basically the same things. Yeah. You're just putting pressure on instead of inevitability.
0: Yeah, but, like, green-black, blue-black, and white-black are all, like, slow, grindy value decks. Yeah. Which I'm here for. Like, that's what I like to do. But, like, if every game turns into, like, the slow, grindy mirror match, after a while, you're just like, uh, like, everything everything's the same. Like, if you eat ice cream for every meal, eventually you'll be like, no mas. No more ice cream. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, oh, hey, I'm playing all these great, super grindy games. And then after a while, it's like, great. All I play is these long, grindy games. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. So, I mean, I was kind of... kingdom
1: for a 1-1 with haste.
0: Yes. Yes. Though, that stupid 1-1 that, like... Gets first strike when it attacks. That card's great. That card has done substantially more work than its stats suggest. Yeah. The number Another. of times where it's just like, I can't block this. Because, of, because if I do, they're going to pay three mana and just eat my thing for free. Yep. But I also can't not block this because it's going to deal me 12 damage. Yep. So what am I supposed to do? And it's usually die to it. But yeah. it's like, ugh. Oh, like every time someone plays this, I'm like, okay, this shouldn't be that good. And it's like, I can't block with my two drop. Can't block with my three drop. <laughs> can't block it with my four drop. Okay, because it's like, organ hoarder. And it's like, get a card. They're like, cool, attack. Kill your organ hoarder if you block. And you're just like, eat your organ hoarder. <sighs> All right, cool. Eventually you get to your diagraph hoard and you're like, yay. I can block it finally. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you needed your five drop to block it. Great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But. Unless they also have their five drop that kills yours.
0: Uh, yeah. That they deal five and then deal you five or deal you two. Yeah. Yeah. And exile it. Yeah. It, and the number of times we're like playing the format a lot where I'm like, I have blockers. And then I'm like, no, I don't. Those are decay zombies. <laughs>
1: They don't block very well they yeah. just fall apart
0: the there's also like there is this like weird like thing that happens where over and over and over again your opponent just taps their zombies to do a thing yeah and you forget they have the ability to attack right and then you find yourself at 8 and you're like oh i well, guess i'm they dead have now decayed zombies yeah i guess i'm dead now like i have two blockers oops It like sneaks up on you and you're just like, oh no, what, 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 what happened? So I'm hoping the format gets a little more diverse, but like it has been enjoyable, Mm -hmm. but if anything, I would say like be black and then find your other color, usually white or blue. Yeah. And right. Like if you like fall into like green, black. Because you get, like, a couple of the 4-3 Grizzly Bear. That
1: thing's pretty good,
0: especially with the decay Zombies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But, like, you know, if you fall into that deck, like, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yep. But for the most part, be that uh,
1: That reanimate spell's pretty good, too.
0: Yeah. So that's when I realized that my, uh, my artisan deck was gone. Because I played, like, green-black reanimate mm-hmm. with... Uh, like all the cycling creatures, and I was like, "Oh, uh, this will be this will be great in that." And then yeah. I was like, "Oh, I can't, I can play it for historic artisan, but <laughs> that's that's not the same. Nope. that's not the same. So, like, I'm gonna miss you, Titanoth Rex. <laughs> <laughs> we had such good times. Space Godzilla. Yeah, uh, Space Godzilla was in there too, and yep. Greater Sandworm. And it's yeah. like, oh, my opponent's playing cycling and has a bunch of 1-1s. I'm going to reanimate a life-linking trampling 11-11. <laughs> I guess I win now. This is great.
1: Can't be blocked by creatures of power 2 or less.
0: Yes. <sighs> it has life link. Good yep. luck. Yep. So, all right. With all of this, our little foray into Take Swamp uh, of Limited. Take Swamp. I think we have a show.
1: Yeah, I think we have a
0: show. So if there's anything you want us to talk about magic related, you can uh, reach out to us on Twitter at casual tripod.
1: Yeah. I think this is pretty much going to wrap up the learn to play series. Um, At some point we'll revisit the one section that we skipped and we'll talk about why we skipped it at that point. But like I said, I think this is going to wrap up that series. So if there's anything that's, you know, burning questions you guys had or topics that you had that, you're kind of waiting for a time to shine. Now's the time to shine. Um, like Brian said, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can hit us up on Facebook at casual tryhard MTG, or you can drop us an email show at casualtryhardmtg.com You can use our discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on all our social media, uh, hop in there, have a chat with us. Let us know what you think about the limited environment right now, or if there's any sweet new brews you're playing with or if you got a question about you know magic cards in general or this set in particular or if you want us to look at a deck or whatever you want uh post up in there let us know also uh don't forget if you're looking to buy any single cards from this set please use our tcg player affiliate link we'll really appreciate it uh, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com uh, everything you purchase after following that link will get a small cutoff to help keep the show alive. If you would like to support us a little bit more directly, hop on over to patreon.com slash casual MTG. Throw a couple bucks in the pot. You get access to our pre-show. You get access to our show notes. And every once in a while, I throw a give back in the mail and give you something cool for a little token of our appreciation. And uh, I think the next give backs are going to be really cool. So maybe hop in there and Get on my mailing list.
0: That's what I was going <laughs> to say. The, the, I've seen the preview for the next one, and the next one yeah. is really neat. It is a fun piece of magic history. It is, yeah. It'll be cool. I'm excited for them. Yeah. So with that, we'll catch you on the internet? Yeah, we'll catch you on the internet. I I think I've given up on FNM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>